Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1272, air date July 21st, 2023. All right, good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Shiva Ayadurai. Today's a triple header. Um, we're going to be talking uh, on a very interesting topic today um, on NATO, U.S. NATO imperialism in Finland. And that's what we're going to be talking about. And we're joined uh, today by a, a very, very important guest. Um, I'm going to bring her on. Let me see if Anna's here. There's Anna. So there's Anna uh, Hipaka. Anna, could you pronounce your name so I say it right? Uh, you might not be able to. Uh, Anne Hipaka. Anne Hipaka. 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 Yes, pretty okay. good. <laughs> okay, Anne Hipaka. Hipaka. Okay. So we have Anne Hipaka, who's uh, one of our leaders from the Truth for the Health movement in Finland. Um, and uh, so we're going to have a conversation today with Anne, Anne Hipaka um, on this topic about U.S. NATO imperialism in Finland. And so this is going to be a great opportunity for everyone, wherever you live, to really understand a couple of things. First of all, uh, the nature of the fact that the movement for truth, freedom, and health will give you a background on that, that um, how it's spread all over the world. And Anne will give you a, a background on her journey as a Finn growing up in Finland, how she came across our movement. That'll be part one. The next thing we're going to talk about is Finland as a country, you know, historically. And we're not going to go back to Paleolithic times, but, you know, I think we'll have a discussion, Anne, on, um, you know, the Lappies, you know, where you grew up, right? Um, how Finland first got, you know, its own sovereignty, right? From the Russian Empire, you know, just give people some context. And then the third thing we want to talk about is what's occurred with the United States and NATO imperialism and how that's affected Finland in the recent history and how it's affecting the Finnish people. Um, just to keep this in mind, Finland and the Soviet uh, Russia share a nearly a 1,000 mile border, okay? Uh, sort of like the United States, in some ways, Canada, right? So they're almost neighboring countries. So let me um, uh, begin by, first of all, thanking you, Anne. I don't know, what, what time is it in Finland right now? Uh, it's half half past 9 p.m. And, and, and is this, what time of the year is this? I know sometimes in Finland you have those very long winters, right? Yeah, we do. We have four seasons and this is summer and uh, we almost consider August as um, autumn time mm. as the school and uh, jobs start again in August. So in, in Europe, August is uh, the holiday month, but in Finland it's, uh, you know, the summer is over <laughs> almost. And when, when the winters are long, just to let people know, how long does the sun stay up or it gets dark? Can you give people an idea? Yeah. Uh, well, in up in Lapland, up north, it doesn't go down at all during some time. It's, it stays up like uh, a couple of months. For 24 hours, right? Yeah. Yeah, so but just to give people, let me get, I, I brought up a Google Maps here so people understand where okay. Finland is, okay? So... A little bit of geography, right? Um, when you look at the United States, we're right here. I'm in, I'm in Massachusetts, right here, Boston, right. And if you take a straight line across, um, Finland is 
way up here, right? And you're sort of in the southern Finland. And if you go across, that's like southern, New, you know, um, New, uh, Greenland. And if you go way up to what you're talking about where the Lappies are, that's up here, right? Yeah. Right. So that's oh, way up here. And you're basically, you know, the Arctic Ocean is right here, right? This is the uh, Barents Sea. It's an agency. But, um, and to give people an idea, Finland is really different than in some ways Scandinavia, right? Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. We'll talk about this. The Finnish people are very different historically than the people of Sweden, Norway, and Denmark. But that's where Finland is. Helsinki, right, Anna, is the capital of Finland? Yes, yes. Right here? Yes. So Helsinki is the capital. Um, and to the east of Finland is Russia, right? It's right here? Yeah. And this is this 800-mile border that we're talking about, right? Yeah, all it goes up. all the way up, yeah. Yeah, all the way up, all the way up, all the way up, all the way up here. And this is where Lapland is, right, where the reindeer are? Yeah, it's actually Norway. We have a border with Norway. So Norway uh -huh. has this um, northern part. You see the border there? Right, right here, right? Yeah, it's right Norway. Here. It's yeah. Norway up there. But So uh, Norway comes up around here. Yeah, Norway is actually all up here. If you look, the border. Yeah, is and here. it's got Norway's got a small border with Russia also. So I say, yeah. Also, oh, it goes over here, and Russia's right here. Yeah, Russia's right. a bit more east there. Right over here. Yeah. Okay, so Norway's here, Denmark is here, and then Finland is right in here. Denmark is actually down south. I'm sorry, Sweden. Sweden. Yeah, so Sweden. Norway, Sweden, Finland. And then and way Russia. south, you have Denmark yeah. down here. Okay. Okay. All right, great. So we're talking about this region of the world up in here. Um, and what you're saying is here, it's 24 hours in the winter and the summertime, right? The sun just yeah. spins around, right? Yeah. And yeah. it's about 19 hours uh, of flight in Helsinki. Oh, from Helsinki to here is 19 yeah. hours? Yeah. So it's darker here. Oh, what do you mean? It's what do you mean? Nineteen hours? Uh, well, it's it's shorter. Because oh, okay. It, yeah. Oh, okay. But it's here, more. it's not. You're saying in Lapland, the sun stays up nineteen hours. No, it stays over. You know, a couple of months. For it nineteen hours. Up. Yeah, and Helsinki, it stays for nineteen hours a day. Oh, oh but here it's twenty-four hours. So for two yeah, months, yeah. So it's Lapland. That's the. Uh, uh, I say. I see. Sun, you know. Okay, so so basically, what you're saying is, in Helsinki, um, in Helsinki, the sun during the summertime is 19 hours, but in yeah. Lapland it's 24 hours. Yeah, and okay. uh, that's a bit depressing. But at winter time, the Lapland hasn't got any sun at all. So, oh, so in the winter the time sun, it's reversed. Yeah. 24 yeah. hours, no sun. Yeah. And, and in For the a south, couple of months, yeah. But in the south, it's 19 hours of day, uh, no sun. No, it's actually five hours a day during the oh. long winter. I see. Uh, oh, so you only say. get sun for five hours. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, Anne. Tell us about you know your, you know whatever you want to share, um, that you feel comfortable growing up. What you did. What do you do, etc. Okay, so I was born in Helsinki. Uh, 
my parents are normal working people so it's usual in finland even with my uh, friends and everybody like both parents work actually nobody no mom is staying at home and uh, i was i was uh, we lived in a, in a block of flats that was very useful all the workers live in a block of flats and apartments and it was kind uh, kind of uh, fun because we had so many friends around we spent a lot of time outside playing with the friends and running around and uh, we have the sea quite near so swimming and things like that and many Finns have summer cottages we also had a summer cottage my dad started to build the cottage and sauna of course <laughs> sauna first and then the cottage uh it was it was quite near it's uh, it oh, was, so you're saying he built the sauna first and then he built the cottage yeah because we slept in the sauna because oh, really? sauna you have the heat room and then you right. have the uh, kind of dressing room right which is for taking off your clothes and like things like right. that but you can also have beds in there hmm. so that was pretty nice because we were spending all summers there and then we headed back to the town and my mom and dad uh, kept working during the summer. Uh, it's useful to have about 30, 30, 20 to 30 days off at summertime. So they drove off to work from there and I was there living with my sister. <laughs> and that was pretty exciting too because we made our own food and so on. When swimming, nobody was uh, kind of uh, watching over us, <laughs> so mm. it was it was pretty careful. Now, what kind of food did you eat growing up? In that, I know when I was there in Finland, they had the bramel berries, the lingonberries, reindeer meat. What did you eat growing up? Yeah, it was pretty basic, like uh, fish soup, soup, uh, meat soup, kind of things we could heat up, or you know. But the uh, Finnish food is like, uh, I could imagine English food, like potatoes and meat, potatoes and fish, pretty basic, and uh, some some vegetables also. And also, we have uh, blueberries growing everywhere. So oh, everybody's blueberries, yeah. eating blueberries, yeah. cranberries, all, all, kind of, all kinds of um, berries. But you, do you eat the cheeses there in the mornings, right? No. Uh, actually, it's porridge. Porridge, porridge with, uh, with some berries or something. What, what like kind that. of porridge? Uh, oat or, or actually rye is the other popular one. And now does rye grow in Finland? Yeah. I see. But not oats? No, right? But yeah, rye. they, they, they grow both. Yeah. Also, in the morning, you would have like a porridge, a warm, hot porridge. With yeah. Berries. Yeah. And then for lunch, you would have what? Some. Well, when I went to school, I mean, uh, when I was a child, we had uh, about three days a week, we had some soup, like fish soup, or meat soup, or pea soup, or whatever soup. I said. 
So it was pretty light when I think of it. And then at night you would have like some fish or meat, etc. Yeah, and potatoes. What about reindeer, reindeer meat you had, right? Or is that a delicacy? No, you can have it. You can right. have it. Yeah. yeah. The but reason I asked is when sandy, I went to, I'm sorry. Sandy, sorry. Sunday food kind of. Uh, it's not an everyday food. Huh? Oh, it's a Sunday food. I see. Yeah. I see. I see. And, the, and the fish comes locally, obviously, right? From the ocean? It's ocean fish or? Yeah, it did okay. then. Now it comes from some farm, I think. Now, Finland is called the land of Swami, right? Swam, Swami? Swami, yes. Yeah, it's the land of all these lakes and rivers, right? It's yeah, tens of yeah. thousands of uh, lakes, actually. Because when you go to the map, what's interesting with Finland is there are many people in Finland, and I, I just want to zoom in on this. It's an interesting sort of, uh, so if you look on, on, this is, there's tons of lakes here, right? All these lakes. Yeah, if you go a bit south. Yeah. South, so we are not in Russia. Right. There, you can see it. Yeah. Right. It's just all these lakes, right? It's almost like a sea. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So this is, I mean, this is Finland. It's lakes and lakes and lakes, right? Tons and tons yeah. of lakes. Yeah. And what's interesting is, I know that a lot of Finns, when they moved to the United States, guess where they moved? They moved to, oops, let me go here, to Minnesota. Yeah. And if you go across to Minnesota, Minnesota, let me zoom out here, has lots and lots of lakes. Yeah. <laughs> right? So I think Minnesota's where? Let me go Pretty here. Pretty funny. Yeah. I think people need to understand. Okay, here we go. Because we recently took a long trip. Let me go out here. So if we go here, Minnesota's right up here, right? And you'll see a lot of the fins settled in this area, right? Yeah. Which again has lots and lots of lakes up here, right? So they yeah. went from there to this region, right? <laughs> so anyway, um, I think it's, it's important to understand that visually, Finland has many, many lakes, right? Yeah. Um, so are the fish from lakes in Anna or no? Yeah, people do fish nowadays too. And they uh, buy fish from the markets. And uh -huh. uh, we have a lot of fish. Yeah. So you grew up there in in this, your, your parents are both working class. What did you end up studying, Annie? Uh, I ended up studying... Actually, I was interested in, in, in technical. I was daddy's girl, so my dad uh, taught, taught me everything. And uh, I became so interested in pipes, sewers, and uh, things like that. So I went to draw the pipes. I don't know what it's called. It's um, heating pipe, piping and uh, those things. Yeah, mechanical drawing, they call it here. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So... I started that, uh, and we had lots of lots of um, jobs from uh, uh, Russia, actually. So I started to uh, learn the alphabet because we had to the write Russian them alphabet. Manually. Yeah, Russian alphabet, and that's not that's not that's not easy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, then came the. Uh, depression of the 90s some banks collapsed 
all the uh, building companies, big building companies, Finnish ones, they collapsed, and uh, it was a, it was a, it was awful. Anyway, I started uh, waiting for my first child, so I was not working, and I moved a bit uh, up north with my husband. Then I got my second uh, child and started working as a map drawer. Cartography, so, they call it. Yeah, yeah topography. Yeah. And uh, that got me interested and I started st uh, studying surveying. But I didn't get the uh, job as the topographer. I went to work at, uh, for a water company. And I went, I put my overalls on, padded, and went uh, surveying the pipes. It's pretty hard because they have to dig them uh, over one meter deep because of the frost. So it's always two or four meters below the ground. Yeah. And uh, when the... Uh, when the technology be, uh, became more commonly used, I, I I was transferred to to computer. So I'm doing computer work now, and I'm also I transferred. I moved to Helsinki, back to Helsinki, and I'm doing computer work now. Like uh, it's actually like, like computer drawings of all these mechanical things. Or no, it's actually it's actually surveying and city planning, uh, kind of uh, geological information data. I see. Yeah. So there's a whole field called GIS, geological or ge information systems. Yes. Google uses a lot of that, right? When they're doing yeah. all their mapping software, you know, and they're picturing like all these Google Maps and all those kinds of things. But you do it for the city. Got yeah. It. Yeah, and I also do 3D houses, buildings. Oh, so, yeah. you know, the ones who you can turn around and you see. You can walk through and can see. Oh, yeah. so, I see. So, so you'll actually do those renderings, the drawings. Yeah. Okay. So, Annie, so how did you come across, you know, Truth, Freedom and Health? Give us sort of your personal journey. What brought yeah. you to this? You know, because what we've noticed is there's a lot of people in Finland um, who are very attracted to the movement. Uh, most people in the United States know Finland for like Nokia, right? Which was a phone company, right? Uh, Finns have a very, very rich mathematical background, engineer, very smart engineers, scientists, um, very a strong educational system, if I remember. But go ahead. Tell us how you came across Truth, Freedom and Health. Yeah. I've, I've been thinking about it and I was always angry as a child. I think I think I always thought like, oh, this is shit. Like, I, this is not working at all. Why don't they change it? You know, I was angry. And uh, somehow I got downtrodden like many of us because you can't actually do anything. Uh, there's no way to change things. So... That went on and on, and uh, then COVID hits, and uh, 
I went to demonstrations and also I went to see this new party that was uh, that was uh, grounded and there I lost hope all hope to political systems I just saw through it I just saw it's a shit so I I was just like oh I'm walking out here <laughs> uh this is not good but uh that was a good thing because I met uh, Timur there and he told me about through freedom health movement oh so so let me just so there so in so about during COVID in 2020, there was movements in Finland, right? Yeah, Taking demonstrations place. and also new political parties were formed. Right. So in Finland in 2020, new political parties are coming. Yeah. And there were demonstrations against like the vaccine mandates, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you met Tumor, who's another one of our leaders in Finland. Yeah. And what got you interested in truth, freedom and health? What was because there's all these other political trends there. It was it was the system. It was the system, the foundations of systems. Because I I knew there's something interesting in there, and I just couldn't grab it, and I had to I had to sign up and study it. Yeah, and so no, Anna, yeah, there so was Anna, nothing more left. Yeah. Yes, to everyone listening, in 2020, as many people know, is a very, very important time, right? Because you have the quote-unquote pandemic is happening, lockdowns are taking place, um, people who don't want to take the vaccines, right? They're being thrown out of jobs. Um, you can't move, right? People had to stay in their homes. A lot of people were dying, right? Um, meaning people who, in many ways, were restricted to their homes, right? With all the stuff we talked about. Now these political parties, they came up in response to COVID, right? Yeah. To fight the government, right? Yeah. And what you're saying is there was a lot of chaos. Is that right? With all mm. these different parties and you couldn't figure out who was on what side. Yeah, and I uh, there are over 20 parties, over mm -hmm. 20 political parties in Finland. So I think they want to divide us as much as they can. Uh-huh. Yeah, because Finland has a parliamentary system, right? It's not yeah. a, and I think people need to understand in a parliamentary system, many parties run for office in all the different counties and districts. And based on what percentage of votes they get, they get that many number of people in the parliament. So for example, if there's 20 parties and they each get, um, let's say 5% of the vote, they'll each get 5% representatives in the parliaments. So if there's 100 representatives, you will have 555 for 20 parties, right? In the United States system, it's not like that. It's winner take all. It's majority system. So whoever gets the most gets all of those seats, right? So if one party wins the election in a neighborhood, they get all the seats. So parliamentary system in some ways is a little more fair because you're representing the different viewpoints. And Finland has a parliamentary system. But there's a rule uh, that all those little small parties, uh, they are not that easily, they cannot uh, enter that easily anyway. So right. it's not kind of fair anyway. I see. So they make it difficult for the small parties to enter. Yeah. So it yeah. looks like you have a parliamentary system. Yeah. Typically, it's two major parties. 
yeah. and they build coalitions, right? Yeah, or three actually. Now we have three. four, I think. Right. So what typically happens is you'll have the three parties and the other small parties will b build coalitions with one of those three. Yeah. Okay. So all this chaos is taking place and then you come across another gentleman to more. And what you're telling with me is what you got attracted by was the systems approach that we were taking. And um, so what did you learn? So to everyone listening, um, Annie got involved and because you have sort of an artistic mind and an engineering mind, you have both minds. Um, what really got you, when you took the foundations of systems course, what was like the one thing that you really learned that you thought was the most powerful? Uh, I think it was the uh, realization, uh, this is something new and it's not in use, like, in, in the world right now. So, and you can use it in for for anything. So it's pretty easy and uh, yeah. Yeah, so someone just asked, they said, Dr. Shiva, why are you doing interviews with you right now? Mm -hmm. So the reason we're doing this interview to people joining, and by the way, the talk we're heading, we're so, sort of moving towards this because I just want everyone to understand Finland uh, is NATO imperialism in Finland. But the reason we're doing this conversation is most people, A, don't know where Finland is because they don't study history. B, most people do not know that Finland and Russia are very, very close and they have a big history. And Annie is going to give us a very different sort of report from Finland that you would get from the mainstream media. So that's where we're doing this. Um, and as a part of that, Sam, um, we're basically reviewing Annie's history she just gave, and now we're talking about how she came to the Truth, Freedom, Health movement. So, Annie, the, the the key thing you were saying was the systems approach, and what was the one central thing? I'm sorry if you can repeat that again. Uh, it was it was new, and I knew it was not used anywhere yet. Right. So, so it was, there was this possibility of change. Right. So it's something innovative. And yeah. to let everyone know, there's a book I have over here called System and Revolution, um, which basically defines what is a system. And as you know, Annie, that and to everyone listening, about 10,000 people on the planet out of the 8 billion people really understand what a system is. There's a science. I used to teach it. And what we wanted to do was my service goal was to make sure everyone in the world could learn system science. Because in my view, if they did, they could fundamentally really understand how things worked. So Annie, when you, so all this chaos is going on in 2020, how did the science of systems help you figure out, give you some idea of how to deal with all the chaos that was going on in Finland at the time? It was actually, it was actually the understanding the uh, not so obvious establishment yeah, so explain to people what is the not-so-obvious establishment in, in the simplest ways. It's the, it's the ones who shout into parliament that think things you, should be done this way and that way and fuck you and like that, and they still can't do anything. So they trick you into believing they are fighting for you, but nothing happens. 
Yeah, so that's a very important thing. So I hope everyone understands that. The central reason that nothing ever changes is because you have the obvious establishment and then you have the people like the politicians who will be barking at the obvious establishment. Oh, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, da, 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 da. And it's all theater. And we're seeing it right now in the United States. Donald Trump is yelling at, you know, the rhinos and you have this other fool, Kennedy. It's just talk, talk, talk. But it, the way what we teach is if you actually look at these people's histories, they were always part of the establishment. And that's one of the fundamental things, Annie, I think, because then when you were looking at all those 20 parties, you could probably realize they're all part of one of the three yeah. establishment forces. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And what are those three parties in Finland known as today? Uh, well, there's usually left, right and center and Finns. And for some reason, the Swedes, because there's, uh, is it four or five percent of uh, Finnish are Swedish speaking? So they are always somehow involved. Oh, who the the Swedes are involved in yeah. Finland? Yeah, in the parliament. They are always in the parliament. <laughs> I say, I say. How's that? Is that yeah, historical? It's just this. Yeah. Well, one of the things I wanted to talk about, just adding some water here, is that if you look at that phenomenon in Finland, right? You have these different parliaments, but ultimately one of these all of these parties who bark at each other ultimately are one wing of the establishment, right? Either left, right, or center, or these two, three wings that they have. Because we have, we had the left during COVID, and right. now we have the right. Right. So it's the, going to opposite directions, and they always just change it. Right. So you had, I think, in Finland, that woman who recently got thrown out, right? She was a... Yeah quote-unquote lefty what, what what was her name uh the prime minister you mean right the one Sanna they Mar yeah they they saw her partying outside and they made a big deal out of that right yeah cocaine and yeah. things like that yeah it was actually to cover some laws they passed while uh, while everybody was shouting at about cocaine they passed some laws during during that time I see. So they did that as a distraction. Yeah. So if anyone listening, they had the Finnish prime minister was caught, you know, doing cocaine and partying and all this stuff. And you're saying they did that distraction. Meanwhile, they passed a bunch of laws. Against yeah. The people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's important to remember. So whether you're looking at the United States or that this is pure theater, it was all theater that they did for PR. You know, over here, you distract the masses and over here, you do something else. Let's um, talk about Finland. Okay, historically, um, when did Finland get its independence, Annie? And who did Finland get independence from? Well, it was it started it started in the eighteen hundreds uh, towards uh, nineteen hundred, uh, and uh, it was about the workers workers' rights. Also, women wanted uh, like election. What is it called? Uh, voting rights. The right to vote. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was we were Grand Duchy of uh, Russia, so we were Grand Duchy of Finland. So we had our own. Uh, what is it called? 
we had our own uh, laws kind of uh, loosely tightened to Russia, but we could like decide our own things. And then towards the 1900s, the Russian uh, char who got changed as his uh, father died, wanted to have Finnish men in to enter Russian army. And the men said no. And that's what uh, many people did back then. They moved to USA to avoid going to Tsar's army. Mm-hmm. So uh, we started the independence fight back then. And it was building and building and building. And there was lots of things happening but anyway 1917 we got our independence from right now i think it's important for people to know before um in prior to 1800s right it was sweden sort of ruled over finland and then russia took over finland right yeah. like you said as a grand duchy and in 1917 um russia became i mean finland became independent of russia Yeah, and I I just want to bring this up. I want people to understand that 1917 and the period you're saying, and we talk about this in our course training, is a very important period. If you go look at 1917, the Bolshevik Revolution that took place, um, which was like the bomb went off, right? Um, uh, um, and what really happened was that when the bomb was that the Russian working class rose up and they Uh, got rid of the czar in 1917, and that moment in history spread many, many movements all over the world. In the United States, you had the, the women's movement, you had many, many things. A lot of people don't understand the Russian Revolution was a very powerful movement that affected all every part of the world. And I think you had the women's movement, but one of the things I want to bring up to people, a lot of people need to, um, let me share the screen here, is this, you know, It was Lenin, and who's the the, Rep, the Russian revolutionary, actually recognized Finnish independence. And one of the theories here was that it's a concept of national self-determination. Um, when uh, Russia got their liberation, overthrowing the czar, the thesis was that every country could be part of the Soviet Union, or if they wanted to separate, they could. And even though some of the people in the Soviet Union thought, oh, no, no, we should keep Russia in, um, in a very good way, Lenin was very, very good about this. He said, no, if every people, if they're a separate people, they have a different language. It's called the concept of a nation, national self-determination. So it's a very important concept that if you're an ethnic group and you believe you want to have your own nation, you should have the right to separate. So Lenin was very, very supportive of Finland's right to become their own nation on this policy called national self-determination. So, and that's where Russia comes into being. So, and the important thing is, so you had Russia, the Soviet Union at that time, and you had Finland. Um, they could have easily kept um, Russia as a part of the Soviet Union, right? I mean, Finland is a part of the yeah. Soviet Union. But it was, in many ways, it was a very powerful time because a revolution had taken place There were many ethnic groups all over the Soviet Union. It was called Russia. And people wanted at that 
time to have their own self-determination. So I think Finland is very, very important to people understand it came out of the Bolshevik revolution, right? It came out of these very revolutionary times. Um, and then Finland got its own um, national self-determination out of that. So let's talk about, Annie, um, right now what's going on. Um, everyone knows that when the Soviet Union came into being, right, in 1917, uh, to 19 World War Two, right? There was World War One, then you had World War Two. After World War Two, an organization called NATO got created, right? National uh, Atlantic Treaty Organization, and the United States was really the powerhouse behind NATO. And initially, there were a few countries which were part of NATO, and the purpose of NATO was to defend Europe from the Soviet Union. That's why it was created. Soviet Union was a threat. We are going to be a set of countries. If you attack one country, we will together attack the Soviet Union. Um, and NATO has now grown. It's grown, grown, and grown, right? In fact, in 1990s, when you talked about the banking collapse, it was decided uh, when the Soviet Union fell, right, in 1992, around that time, that Gorbachev, who's the leader of the Soviet Union, had made an agreement with George Bush, the first Bush, and Bush said, we will never go east of Germany, which means NATO would only stay the west of Germany, but we would never go east of Germany. And what has happened over the last, you know, 40 years, 30 years, is NATO has continued to expand and encircle Russia. Um, I believe Finland, Annie, went into, the, so, into NATO, right? Are they part of NATO now? Yeah, yes, they are. So we why are. don't you talk about the quote-unquote pandemic occurs, and then you have the Ukraine war, 2014 is when the United States throws out, they engineered a coup in Ukraine, they got rid of an elected president who was pro-Russia, they put in their own guy who was actually a Nazi, the people of eastern Ukraine are very upset um, that a Nazi is in power in Ukraine, uh, Russia gets um, upset, so you have this war. How has that affected uh, Finland, given it has this 800-mile border with um, Russia. So please share with us just, you know, over the last, you know, not only five years, over the last 10 years, the relation with Russia and, um, you know, how the media portrays Russia. If you can just share with us that as someone on the ground who sees this. Actually, I came across some old uh, emails my daughter has sent, sent me in 2014. And she was afraid of uh, Putin attacking. And I was like, I was at the time in Australia. And uh, I was like reading through them. So I made a conclusion. The propaganda started back in 2014. And it was because of the uh, what happened in uh, Ukraine, part of the world. And since then, we've had like, uh, every time I go to the shops and I see the headlines, it's like, uh, Putin is sick, Putin is mad, Putin has lost his mind, Putin has no friends. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. It's, it's like every day a new, kind of, <laughs> the, uh, you know, thingy. And uh, I think many people believe that. They think 
he's some kind of dictator. He's mad. He's going to attack us. He's going to, uh, you know, attack everyone. And it's been going on for so long. So if you hear that every day and you see that every day, it's like many inputs all the time, all the news, everything about Putin this, Putin that, he's going to attack us. I think it affects minds anyway. So we've had good relationships, of course, with Russia, and now we don't. So they've ruined, ruined the relationships. And so how was Putin represented in Russia? Like, let's say 10 years ago, how are the Russians represented to the Finnish people, Annie? And how are they represented now in, in, the, in the mainstream media in Finland? Well, I don't know. Many Russians come across the border. They, uh, they're doing the shopping. Actually, they had more money than uh, Finns, so people were very happy about it. They were shopping and spending and going to the spas and Lapland and everything. And now they are, you know, they can't, I, I, I don't know what's the situation right now, but there are hardly any Russians here coming here. <laughs> Surprise. Oh, oh so, so during the early like 1990s, 80s, 2000s, Russians and Finnish went back and forth. Yeah, yeah. And now there's no Russians coming into Finland at all. Yeah. And no Finns going to Russia. Yeah, I don't think so. So, but the Finns and the Russians never saw themselves as enemies or did they, did they, or did they have good relations? Well, I don't, I don't think, I think Finns were a bit, uh, what is it called, jealous about uh, them having so much money and stuff like that. Because the Russian women are completely different from Finnish women. They are like always made up. They have fine hair, fine clothes. Oh, I like say, that. I say. And we are like uh, just wearing t-shirts and like, <laughs> you know, very. Oh, you think uh, so? So, so a, a Finnish woman is much more down to earth. Yeah. Relatively, you're saying, but a Russian woman is much more made up and with all their dresses yeah. and makeup and all this. I say. Oh, so, yeah. the, so the Finnish woman used to look to the Russian women as some sort of a higher class of people or they had all this i would just say uh i, I don't I think, say higher. i think they were jealous like always saying that oh but she's russian like that's why she got so many so much uh jewelry or earrings or something like that <laughs> you know just stupid i say so um when did this travel between russia and finland stop when did that happen? Like 2000? Um, was it 2010? It was, or was, it, was, it, was it 2020? Two, no, like it, it was during the uh, COVID uh -huh. lockdowns. Right. So it's not, it's not been going on for long. And Finland um, really gets a lot of natural gas, right? From Russia. Is that right? Yeah, because we are next to it, so it's very natural. Right. To get get, does Finland still get that natural gas from Russia? No, we get ships from USA. Right. So I think yeah. it's very important for people to understand. In 2013, Condoleezza Rice, who was a rabid warmonger, who was the advisor to 
Bush, and she was a professor, then she said, we must stop um, the dependence of Europe on Russian oil or Russian um, fuel. That was the goal. And the next year, the United States made sure that the elected president of Ukraine was thrown out in a coup. It was called the Maiden Revolution, right? And But she said that we must make Europe rely on U.S. oil, not Russian oil. So what you're saying is in the last, what, seven months, eight months, a year, Annie, that Finland used to have very close relationships with Russia, rely on their fuel, and now that's cut. So, yeah, yeah I think the, the, what is it, the compressed natural gas, the LNG liquid is coming from Louisiana. It's coming from the United States and ships, uh, right, up to Finland. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so people should understand that. So a part of this entire uh, LNG, a part of this entire thing was now Finland, which was a very close ally of Russia, right, in friendly relations, has now become essentially a NATO, has become part of NATO, and also become fully reliant on energy from the United States. Is that fair yeah. to say, Annie? Yes. yes, we made a 10-year ten, ten uh, deal right when the uh, Russians attacked Ukraine. Our minister made a 10-year deal out of the natural gas. Oh, when was that? Recently? In, uh, well, see, uh, 21. 21, 21, right? Oh, I yeah. see, right after the United States started funding um, Ukraine. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, actually, it was in May, and I think Russians went to Ukraine in uh, was it uh, February? Right. So it was pretty soon. Our minister made the ten-year deal, and it's not cheap. Right. But the bottom line is, Finland was the Finnish people's relationship with Russia has essentially been destroyed. Yeah. And Finland is is essentially dependent on U.S. oil. And to let everyone know, that was a goal in 2013 of Condoleezza Rice, who was, by the way, on the board of uh, Chevron. OK. So he, she's a professor, uh, was a secretary of state right under George Bush. And the whole goal was to uh, basically have all of Europe dependent on United States oil versus Russian oil. And how has that affected people in Finland, price-wise, well, money-wise? Can you talk about the everyday life of Finnish people? I think we see the uh, gas. I say gas because we use the word gas here. It's natural gas, LNG. Uh, we're co cooking with gas, and uh, we're not heard about the prices yet because it takes a while in a block of flats until you count all of those. But uh, the whole of Helsinki is cooking with gas. So, and uh, also Espo, Tampere, I think it goes around. Not all of Finland, but uh, a big part anyway. But what's the, bottom, what's the bottom line? If the, effect, the price has been affected? Yeah, the price is higher. And, and do Finns feel that economically? Does it affecting them or they're okay with the price increase? 
I don't know, because, you know, those things that happened in 2014, when Russia went there, we are not being told that yet. So these things are not discussed. You can't find them anywhere. What What is not discussed, Annie? Uh, it's not, be, you know, the Finns do not know that Russia went there to protect the... Uh, the independent states there. Right, right. No, but what I'm saying is, so you're saying the the Finns believe that Russia invaded Ukraine. Yeah, just now. Yeah. Right, right. But so, but what I'm saying is, economically, given that the gas prices are higher now, um, by how much higher are they? Five percent, ten percent, twenty percent, fifty percent? How much? I don't. I don't know actually. Oh, why is that? You're in. No, I don't know. I, w I just meant to say that we are not told about these things. No, so, no, but don't you see it when you go get gasoline? When you go no, get I mean, gas? I mean, yes, I mean uh, natural gas, like right, or or, or 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 utilities. Your your prices for electricity has it affected the price of goods in Finland? Uh, actually, the electricity is a whole different thing. Uh, our ministers and and politicians have actually sold all our grid, electrical grid, to a foreign uh, invest, investment companies. So they oh, want, okay. want more profits, so that's, that's going to investors. Right, so, now what I'm trying to find out, Annie, is if you look at your personal life, okay? Your electrical prices, your food yeah. prices, your gas yeah, prices. Yeah, it's higher, it's higher. How much, is it 5%, 10%, 50%, how much higher? Let's say over uh, the last well, five years. It's actually higher. It was ha higher at winter time. Right, but how much higher than, let's say, before all of this? Well, my I have so many, uh, you know, I can't speak for myself. Uh, I hardly use anything anyway. But uh, mm. <laughs> it depends if you're heating, heating, because we're heating all winter. Right. If you have right. electric heating, it's very, it's very expensive. It's about yeah. uh, three to five times uh, higher. It's like thousands. If it was 500, it might have been uh, 2,000. Wow, uh, so it's yeah, gone up by four times. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, they created all kind of support and subsidy systems for that. So you can, you can get uh, something from the government to pay the price for investment companies that get the uh you know the end money so it's 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 totally sick okay so what you're saying is they increase the price yeah and then the government gave subsidies to people which also go back to those companies yeah right yeah. okay so basically they took money from over here from middle class people and then they're subsidizing the very poor people and the money goes back to their friends in these investment companies yeah. who run the entire electric grid. Okay, yeah, so, the, so basically there's been, they so they make the poor people feel good as though the government's protecting them. Yeah. Meanwhile, the middle class and working people are getting squeezed. Yeah. Okay. All right, so well, that's the same story here. So let's, um, so I think just in summary to people joining us, we're having a discussion on a very personal level. You know, many, many of you know, I'll do these very deep dive political discussions, but today's on NATO imperialism in Finland, but it's being done by really talking to someone on the ground. Uh, Anna shared her history there. 
She talked about, we talked about the brief history of Finland. We talked about what happened after US and NATO um, started working to make sure Finland was to, uh, no longer dependent on Russian oil, right? Or Russian energy, but now dependent on investment or outside people's electrical energy, as well as US energy. But the bottom line is the middle class in Finland has gotten squeezed, but the government is being subsidized to very poor people and the money they take from the middle class goes to them and they just give it back to the big investment companies, right? So it's yeah. basically wealth redistribution. They take money for the middle class, the tax dollars, the government gives to the poor. So the poor feel like the government's working for them and the money just flows back to the extremely wealthy, large investment companies. That's what yeah. it sounds like, yeah. right? All right. So um, in Finland, it's from what you're saying is there's been massive propaganda to present Russia as the enemy yeah. and NATO and the United States is coming in to save Ukraine. Is that right? Yes. And in Finland, how do the Finns feel? Do they feel this? Like if you looked at, I remember when we were talking to Timur, he said some of the Russian parliamentarians, they were the other way. They never wanted part of NATO. And then he said they all got paid off and now they all want to be part of NATO. Is that right? He said some yeah. switch occurred. When, yeah. did that occur? when did that occur, Annie? I think 22. Uh-huh. Yeah, so last year. So in 2022, many of the parliament people prior to that, they voted not to be part of NATO, right? Yeah. And then after that, they all voted to be part of NATO. Yeah. And our and president... President yeah. said it's enough. We don't we don't have to have uh, any voting about uh, joining NATO. The street gallops are okay. That's enough. Street what? Street gallop gallop. What is it called? Uh, street interview. What is it called? Street. Oh, street like talking to people on the street. Surveys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Street so the president said we don't are... even need to we don't need to have a vote. Just go ask people randomly. Yeah. Yeah. I say. So basically they did massive propaganda to make Russia the enemy. And then they just got everyone to vote to support being part of NATO. Is that right? Yes. How do you feel? Do you feel being part of NATO is better for Finland? Like, do you feel like, uh, do people in Finland feel like it's safer now to be part of NATO? How do people uh, feel? And how do you feel? It's so sick. You can't actually you can't actually talk about this. You what have do you to mean? be. Uh, I can't talk with my colleagues. Uh, it's too it's too uh, kind of hurtful to talk. Try to you talk mean, about it. It creates a lot of fight. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I mean it's it's kind of too delicate. Why is that? Uh, I don't know. People are going to. It's it's gone worse since uh, 2020, so people are not talking about anything anymore. They are talking about the nice things, not about this. Oh, I this, see. I see. This is too yeah. too much for them to even talk about. Yeah, I think oh, so, so. People don't even want to talk about. Yeah, and just, why do you think why do you think that is? Because they feel hurt, like they didn't want to be part of Russia. I mean, part of NATO. Well, like, why do you think they don't want to talk about it? 
I think over half of them have uh, fallen into complacency. They uh-huh. just don't want to know anything about anything. They just think about their own things. And the other half is uh, not sure what's happening. And maybe it's good. Maybe their NATO is protecting us and uh, maybe not. I don't know. It's 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 all a mess. Yeah, so I think what you just said, you use the word complacency. I want to just, um, as we're sort of closing out today, Annie, thank you very much for sharing all this. But one of the things we talk about in Truth, Freedom, and Health is, by the way, this is a website. People should go there. It's really an educational program. Um, you know, we're in 300, 400,000 people in about 120 countries. But one of the graphs that I really like to show here is this graph. This is what you're talking about, right, Annie? That yes. All this information over the last 10 years to the Finns was fed, fed through ignorance, right? To basically blame Russia, right? Uh, destroy a lot of confusion. You said there were 20 new parties that emerged, right? During the yeah. pandemic, right? And so this was a lot for people to handle. And then you have the conflict in Ukraine. So what ends up happening when you create all this illusion and ignorance and confusion people end up in complacency. They don't want to talk about this anymore. It's too much for their brain. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And, and um, also we have yeah. some, uh, all the demonstrations were divided to uh, new age. And there's this uh, Q group who still waits for Trump to save them. Even in oh, Finland. In, oh, so in, in Finland, there's a Q group. Yeah, of course, there are Q people who are just waiting for Trump to save them. Right. So so what you're saying is one group of So basically, all this chaos took place in 2020. Yeah. It burned people out. Then you had the Ukraine war. Uh, Finland joins NATO. You had the increase of gas price. So people just have overwhelmed right now mentally. So they don't want to have even a political discussion. That's what you're yeah, saying. I think so. Yeah. So because of that environment, people are waiting for Trump to get elected and then he's going to cure everything. That's and you're saying there's one segment of Finnish population which even believes that. Yeah, they believe the Q stuff and there's this kind of uh, the light comes from the north. Uh, uh-huh. our, our kind of our own Q. <laughs> so that involves like nothing but waiting <laughs> also. I see. I yeah. see. So they so they're basically doing some cult like stuff. Just wait, wait, wait. Something's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so one of the things, obviously, you know, Anna, so what we talk about is that so they get people into complacency, desperation, or you had a left prime minister. Now you have a right prime minister. And this is what actually happens. So that's so. So in many ways, Finland is an example, an unfortunate example of what's happened right now. And as you know, what we talk about, the solution is people really need to start understanding these systems and that's why i think it was valuable to have you you know in this call because i think people you are someone who wants to talk politics you're you're someone who wants to educate people but the science of systems actually leads people to wisdom and so people start getting active um, and dynamic and getting organized i know anna you've been on the ground there right educating people so yeah. tell us a little bit about you go on the ground and you i know you hand out flyers right You yeah. talk about things. Um, how are so when someone likes your flyer, right? When you give it to them, what kind of person is that? Why do they like when you say you said some people like the truth, freedom, and health thing, right? Why is what do you think is attracting them to that? 
Uh, I think they realize they they have to do something. Uh huh. I think that's the main thing. They struggle right. with the I have to do something, but they can't just you know they 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 struggle with the action. Right. So basically, the people that are attracted to this are people who have a consciousness. They're realizing, yes. I, uh, the government ain't going to do something, but they don't want to just be complacent. They actually want to do something. Yeah. And they realize they have they're the they're the agent of change. Nobody else. Yeah. 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 Well, that pretty much sums it up. Because when you look at Finland, what's happened step by step by step by step, right? Finland broke away from Russia. They built some incredible educational institutions, some great innovation technology, um, and then over the last really ten years, right? Finland has essentially been choked by U.S. and NATO imperialism, and Finland has essentially become now a colony of U.S. and NATO, in some sense, in that area, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, what would you like to say to people in closing? What would be your advice to people from what you've learned in Finland and what you're doing there? Uh, actually, if we, uh, Finnish people think well. Anyway, all over the world, pe uh, people can think. But uh, Finnish people, if they would think like um, uh, what happened, like hundred and it was actually hundred and eighteen years ago. I found some censored censored uh, newspapers. Uh, it's the same situation now. So nothing 1915. else. Helped. Yeah, 1915. No, it was, it, I, I mean, it was uh, 118 years ago. Yeah. Uh, 1905, actually. Oh, 1905. Okay, got it. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, nothing else helps because the voting, many people think if, if people would just vote right, if they would vote this or that, that would, uh, you know, next time it will be better. Well, it doesn't get better. I've seen it all. I'm old enough to, I've seen it all. It doesn't get better. It goes worse. Yeah, that's why, you know, whether it's Finland, if you look at what occurred in the late 1800s, 1900s, Finland got independence was because of a movement, right? There was yeah. a very vibrant movement. If uh, women in the United States got the right to vote, it was because of a movement, right? many countries got liberation because of bottoms up movements. And I think that's, that's a very wise point, Anna, you're Annie, you're making is that ultimately we have to build a bottoms up movement. And that is what we're doing with Truth, Freedom and Health. And as I sort of close here, because we've talked about the problems, I think people need to understand what the solution is. So I'm gonna play a quick video. Some of you may have seen it, but the movement is going to come from two directions one is theoretical understanding you understand it mentally and then physical activity on the ground i notice you have that poster there annie and i've seen you take it out right you go to the town squares and you hand out flyers right yeah we're going tomorrow it's an okay great sign it's a, it's like this so it stays up yeah on the so, ground. Yeah. yeah so we have people getting on the ground so let me play this video for people but we want to encourage people to become activists, to get on the ground, but this fundamental understanding. And Annie, so you, if, if Truth, Freedom and Health wasn't there, you probably would have been associated or gotten depressed 
and yeah. probably been part of one of those stupid parties. Yeah. So the movement that we've created really gives really very smart people and saying, yeah, that's what I got to do versus going depressed or smoking weed or getting drunk or forming the left or the right. And that's what the establishment wants. They want people to check out. So let me play this video and hopefully this will inspire we you. We have allowed our country to be taken over from within. And the end goal is you will have a homogenized world where we will become slaves because there is a condition among the elites that really thinks they're better than you deep down inside them that you don't deserve the freedoms you have. They don't. This reality is what people need to wake up to and we need to all unite working people. There's only one movement that can do that. And that is the movement that we started creating here in Massachusetts, the movement for truth, freedom and health. Look, I've been a student of politics since I was a four year old kid studying revolutionary movements, left wing, right wing. There's a physics, there's a nuclear science to destroying the establishment. To build a bridge, you need to understand Newton's equation. You need to understand the laws of gravity. You need to understand Poisson's ratio. There is a way to build a revolution. And that's why I put this together. My goal is to train a army of truth, freedom and health leaders. We don't need followers like social media, we need leaders, but they need training because the educational system does not teach them history, nothing. So in three hours, that's what I've started doing. That's the solution. Wow. We gotta train people. First with understanding what a system is, the dynamics of all systems that affect nature. The second is understanding the interconnection between truth, freedom and health. Freedom is the ability to move freely, communicate freely, talk freely. Without freedom, you cannot convert ideas hypothesis into truth, which is science. And without freedom, you can't really get to truth. And without truth, you make up fake problems and fake solutions, which means you destroy our health. And without health, which is the infrastructure of us and our body, you can't fight for freedom. Truth, freedom, health. Third concept is it has to be bottoms up. Working people, people who work uniting. And what the right wing has done is whenever you say working people unite, that must be communist. Meanwhile, they've let the Democrats run unions, which suppress workers, completely corrupt. But when you look at the arc of American history, it's been when working people came up. We need to go local. Every solution I'm coming up with as a part of this movement, we're giving the science, which is the truth, and then we tell people what they can do on the ground. Like with election fraud, you don't need to wait for some lawyer. Our goal is to train people to go local, to go local, to go local, fight locally. Forget lawyers, forget politicians, Forget celebrities, you got to learn politics. And there is a science to it. They lock us down, we should be ready to shut them down. And the fourth part of this principle is the not so obvious establishment. So when you look at a system, there's always something that disturbs you from getting to your goal. Well, the biggest disturbance is the not so obvious establishment, which are those people who claim they're for you on the left and the right. The Al Sharptons who tell black people I'm for you. The Tucker Carlson's. Do you think any true anti-establishment person will ever be on Fox or CNN? I don't think so. They both mislead working people back into the establishment. Without this solid understanding of political physics and theory, you're screwed. You're gonna follow on the left wing, Bernie Sanders, oh, he said something, or Robert Kennedy, scumbags. Or you're gonna follow some right wing talk show host. They're not gonna lead us to liberation, it's us. We're building a bottoms up movement and that political physics, it's a nuclear science of change. Bottoms up. We have to organize to understand that there is people who talk a good game and then look at what they actually do, left and right. I'm sorry, Sean Hannity may say some good things, but I don't see the urgency in his voice to get something done. And it can only come when you weaponize yourself with the right knowledge. You need to be able to identify a rat 
you know, Christ didn't go after the Romans, right? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who screwed him up, his own quote unquote people. And that's where we're at. So these four concepts I've built into a curriculum where people can go to truthfreedomhelp.com and it's an educational program. We need to train people in political theory. You need to have physics. And I've created that curriculum. People need to get educated. We need to get educated fast. And within a half an hour, an hour, I can teach people two years of MIT control systems. I teach people those concepts. Then I apply it. Anyone can understand it. And then you say, oh, I got to build a bottoms up movement. They have to get politically astute and then they have to go locally and act, not sit there on social media. They have to act locally, defy locally, do civil obedience locally, but with knowledge on how to build a movement. And the Senate campaigns expanded to the movement for truth, freedom and health, and they can find it on truthfreedomhealth.com. So people can sign in, they can get access to a bunch of videos. If they want to take a course and become a truth, freedom, health leader, I offer a full scholarship there, but we want people to make a commitment that they'll study, that they'll get certified, that they'll go do activities on the ground. So go to truthfreedomhealth.com. All right, everyone. So I hope that helps everyone. Um, the key thing to understand is that nothing is going to change in the world without raising our consciousness and understanding. And that's what that video hopefully inspires you to do. You can go to Truth From Health. We've created a program that you can really raise your consciousness. Our movement now, about a half a billion people in the world know about us. Uh, Annie, we, we were on a phone call you know, yesterday. We did a, I did a live and there's a woman from New Zealand and she said she went to this big political meeting and she said, how many people know Dr. Shiva and Truth From Health? half of the room raised their audience, raised their hands. So it's quite interesting because when I've traveled all over the world, people know about us. What's happening is those in power actually doing a lot of effort to actually suppress us from making us invisible, but it's not working. So um, if you're looking for a real solution to fundamentally change the world, then you must get involved. If not, you will end up either desperate, complacent, or into the left or the right. And that's going to go nowhere. So it's a huge opportunity to so go to truthfromhealth.com, get educated or be enslaved. You know, that's really the option. The good news is we've created, it took me 50 years to organize this. So we're very, very, uh, uh, you know, excited that we have people like Annie and Timur and a whole movement's emerging in all of Scandinavia and Europe uh, because people are recognizing that you can't just keep doing the same old way, right? It's like a person hitting their head against a wall, you know? So... Anyway, thank you, Annie. I think this was very educational for people and to hear it from you, particularly what you said, you went through that chaos and you realize that you really need to understand um, how to fundamentally change things. Yeah, and thank everybody you. should uh, watch the Swarm video. Swarm. Yeah, there's a wonderful video called The Swarm. You know, do you, uh, if you have the YouTube link, we should put it up, but it's called The Swarm video. Everyone should see it. And literally with a paper and um you know with a pen and whiteboard we share everything okay um and uh there we go you know so please get involved and go to truth freedom and health become a warrior scholar and by the way let everyone know you know um uh, i am running for president of the united states I always forget this and you should go to 
shivaforpresident.com and everyone can get one of these bumper stickers. It's a very powerful way. You put this bumper sticker on the back window of your car, 100,000 people see it. So if you're busy and you're working, this is a very simple way to get activated and go to shivaforpresident.com, right? So become a warrior scholar, support this campaign, but it's really for you. As Annie, you said, ultimately, we have to realize that we have to do it. There's no Messiah coming from some mountaintop or some somewhere else. It's we have to do it bottoms up. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you. Be well. Be the light. You can wave to people, Annie. Okay, be well. Thank you. All right.